You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Coach Jen from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Garnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for January 9th, episode 3321. Good morning, Horse World. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned... And completing the challenge is the challenge. You're an endurance rider. Welcome back, Karen. How you been? Good morning and happy new year. Happy new year. This is your first show of the new year. And judging by your Facebook page, you've been a busy little camper. I have just and trying to stay warm because we've had (laughs) minus temperatures. Oh, now is that, is that seasonably normal for you or is it extra cold it's extra cold yeah there's some years where it doesn't get below zero i mean zero is cold enough 32 is cold enough but zero is cold enough but we had like two nights in a row where it was minus something and you know one day we only got up to maybe the very low 20s and so that's always a challenge you know it adds an extra fun little bit into into an extra level into the horse keeping stuff well we're coming up i'm gonna let let everybody know what's coming up on today's endurance episode because we do this once a month once a month we catch up with all the fun and interesting things in the endurance world we are going to be chatting with alana and gunner frank a couple who organizes rides and we'll see what they're up to and then we're going to have a chat with sudi lenhart who is the current uh vice president of the southeast endurance ride association but the first thing we do every month when we do the Karen show is catch up on your adventures because, as I say, every time I join Karen, endurance riders have adventures. It's built <laughs> into the sport. That's right. We're always out there doing stuff. Um, y- you know, one of the new fun kind of things, and I didn't even put this in the show notes today, but my neighbor, like a couple houses up from me, just got a pig. What kind of a pig? Is it the kind of pig that typically ends up in the fry pan or is it one of those cute little? uh, I'm not really sure. I think it's a pet because they take it for walks (laughs) and it's also turned loose on the property with, and and it's not really fenced in and is a very friendly pig. So like if you go by with your dogs, it'll come running up to be friendly. Or if you go by with your endurance horse who now thinks that that thing, whatever it is, is some sort of scary, like a Stephen King novel level monster. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and, gosh. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it's, you think you've got your horse broke to all sorts of things. You know, you can take it out on an endurance ride. You can take it out to a parade. You can do all these things. But then here comes this friendly little pig, which isn't really all that little. It's kind of a big pig. Um, 
And here it comes. And now your horse is turned into Godzilla. <laughs> so the first time when you first <laughs> discovered that there was a pig in your neighborhood, were you aboard your horse when you first discovered this? Or yes, I was. Oh, I, I was. Oh, and and he blew up like a hot air balloon. <laughs> oh, did he? Did you he know? take flight? He didn't. All he did, he backed up and he snorted, and um, I quickly I realized there was something that was bothering him, so I should get off. <laughs> Yeah, And I normally don't, you know, normally I'm, I mean, this horse does parades and he's fine with that. I got him used to, you know, got, you know, I worked with all the horses, getting them ready for new years because we did have a lot of fireworks and stuff in the neighborhood and we, and we live close to the shooting ranges and the dump. And there's all these things that go on all the time. I've got him used to, but uh, the pig was a surprise. <laughs> pig was a surprise. So, which one did you first encounter pig with? Which of your three? It was Jovi. It was Jovi. Is is yes. now Jovi is the eldest of the three? Yes, he is. He's nine years old, and he's the one that he's. You know, his first ride season was last year, and he did. Um, what did he do? I think he did two or three limited distance rides and 150. So I guess that makes him an actual endurance horse. I can call him an endurance, endurance horse. horse. He's a proper deal. endurance horse because he actually yeah. did a 150. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, we finally did. You're going to encounter Pig with all the horses eventually. So yes. will you deal with first Pig encounter with the other two horses differently than you did with Jovi? I, yes, probably the other two. I'm just going to be leading them on foot. Um, now the other two are younger too, aren't they? Yes, they're younger. One of them, I've only sat on him. I've only sat on Cowboy once because um, he's only four. And so he's just still getting all the basic stuff done, all the you know groundwork and basics and stuff. The other one is eight. And of course, he was still green when I got him, but I've been riding him um, pretty regularly and he's doing really good, but I'm not quite ready to ride him down the street past the pig yet. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> wow. A pig. Now is the pig, what color is the pig? It's dark brown. The brown, it's just solid colored brown pig. Yes. Uh-huh. There we yep. go. Well, Yep. You know, and we got all kinds of animals in the neighborhood. We have neighbors that have ostriches. One has, there's a hyena. There's, um, it, uh, no, wait, stop, stop. <laughs> yes. An Henry. actual hyena. Henry the hyena. Yes. I didn't know you were allowed to have those. Only, there's only like four states or very few, uh, states allow it. And Nevada is one of them. Of course it is. <laughs> so, of course it is. Um, oh, hyena. And, yes. And uh, and then there's the ostriches. And then there's the um, the llamas and uh, lots of goats and chickens and geese and ducks and um, all kinds of dogs, of course. Um, but, yeah, there and there's cows. And, yeah, there's uh, all kinds of different livestock and animals and, and things. And, uh, you know, I try to get the horses out and about to see it all. And, uh, but yeah, the pig was a little bit of a surprise. Um, and, and I've been on endurance rides where there's wild pigs 
and mm-hmm. the horses deal with it okay. But, you know, it's different when you're in an endurance ride. They've got so many things to focus on, and they're doing their job. Well, so, yes, because it's a little bit, they're doing their job, and it's unfamiliar territory, so quite literally, everything is unfamiliar, versus when you're at home, those right. reactions are going to be One very new different thing because they have expectations. Different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. You're a good point. Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Well, wow. Something different. Like I said, endurance riders have the most interesting adventure. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the part of the show each and every month that we do what Karen affectionately calls her endurance tip. But if you're not an endurance rider, don't turn don't tune out because these tips have all sorts of little nuggets in them that can apply to whatever sort of riding you're doing. So first of all, what is the tip and what inspired you to do it? Exactly. Well, today's tip, I'm going to talk about how to be efficient coming into a vet check and getting your horse's pulse down. So when you... Oh, Lord, we're going to stop there. Why, for people who aren't endurance riders, why is it important that you get your horse's pulse down? Okay. So when you come into a vet check, you have uh, different rides, have different required Um, rest times for your horse depending on the distance and the terrain and stuff usually you have 45 minutes to an hour hold Um, some of the vet checks might be shorter but in either case when you come in you want to get your pulse taken because that's when your hold time starts so you want to come in and efficiently get your pulse on your horse down Uh, a lot of rides especially in the west stick to 60 some I know go by 64, but most of the rides I tend to do these days are 60 on the pulse. So you want to come in and get your horse's pulse down to 60. And uh, one good way to do that is when you know you're approaching the vet check. And most of the rides, you can either see the vet check up ahead or they'll put out a pie plate with the sign that might say one quarter mile to the vet check or something like that. So it's good to get off your horse and lead them in that helps them you know sort of relax and calm down a little bit and helps them to start to recover I also like to maybe loosen my girth a hole or two pull off my bit or whatever part of the bridle um, and just leave the halter and then I unclip one side of my breast collar so when the horse does go in, they can more easily reach down to the ground to eat or drink or whatever. Um, another thing that's useful to do is to get your vet card out and have it handy and ready so you don't back up the end timer and you know cause a, a long line, which I'm sure y- you've probably experienced that yourself, Jen, going in and everybody's... <laughs> You know, in a big group and stuff. So you kind of want to, yeah, you don't want to, yeah, you don't want to back everything up. So you want to come in and be prepared to have your vet card handy, um, you know, be ready to pull your tack. And that's where planning ahead can be important. Like if you know you're going into a vet check and you need to have your tack pulled, you know, some rides require it, some don't, you know, some just require it at the finish. Um, but You know, a lot of rides, if the weather's good, they do make you pull your tack off for your longer hold during the middle of the ride. So you want to plan ahead and be prepared and know where you're going to pull your tack off and put it and just, you know, kind of be prepared that way. If you know it's going to be hot and your horse needs to get some water put on them to cool them down, you want to 
carry a sponge or a scoop or both with you so that you have it handy and you're ready to put some water on your horse. Um, one of the things to be aware of, and this is where, you know, training and practice comes into play is some horses, you know, you want to bring them in and they're going to be thirsty. And so you put them in front of the water and they drink. But if you start sponging them and doing a bunch of stuff, you're going to disturb them. And some horses, that's okay. They're fine with it. You can go ahead and sponge them while they're drinking and others might not be okay with it. And so you uh, need... And that's that's a really good point because right. you should practice that when you're at home. And th- it, this is one of those nuggets that I mentioned earlier that applies to regard whether or not you're an endurance rider is if you have a long day ahead... You've got, you're going to be doing lots of classes all day long at your horse show. You're going on a trail ride. You're going to be out for three, four, five hours, whatever, but you've got a long day. So you're going to be taking breaks periodically between classes or between riders that's going to ride the same horse in different classes. Make sure you've tested those things at home so that you know whether or not old Bucky here needs to be left alone Uh for 10 minutes or whatever period of time you need um, so he can drink quietly without anybody fussing at him. Or if he's the sort of horse that's like, whatever, I'm having some water. Put those <laughs> things at home a little bit so that you exactly. can make sure your horse is hydrating properly. Big, big one. And if you have a really long day, he's also willing to eat a little bit. Right. And another important thing, this is also um, goes towards practicing at home, is do not let your horse rub or <laughs> push any of the timers, the pulse checkers, the vets, or yourself around. This is, you know, just basic manners. So you need to practice so your horse knows, you know, when you come in that the horse is expected to stand still and have his pulse taken or is tack pulled or whatever it is that, you, you know, you're, you're doing during the ride, you do not want your horse rubbing and pushing and shoving people around and being just out of control. So you need to practice all of that ahead of time. And that, uh, again, that's a, that's a really good nugget for riders and competitors of all types. There's nothing more frustrating uh-huh. when you, you hop off your horse and you want to take their bridle off and loosen their girth so they can take a break because it's going to be two classes until you need to get back on. Uh, practice at home so that your horse knows when you take the bridle off, he needs to wait until you put the halter on before he um, goes into emergency ru- mode and rubs the <laughs> life-threatening itch on his lips. You know, some of them do. You take the bridle off and the, they have to immediately uh-huh. scratch their face on something. Work yes. with them at home so that when you get to whatever competitive venue or trail venue, you're not you don't have a horse that's just being an absolute pain in the butt, and you you get grump, grumpy and angry at your horse, and then everybody's unhappy. Practice right at home, please. right. And one more good thing to practice ahead of time too is to teach your horse to pee on cue. So what I do is whenever I I have a horse that starts to urinate, is I start whistling, and they learn that when you whistle that you're asking them to go ahead and pee. And I try to walk them around to some place that might be soft, you know, off of the pavement or hard stuff onto something where they're more likely to go ahead and pee because sometimes a horse needs to pee and then they relax and then their pulse comes down right away. So that's something that can help you out with getting your pulse down. So 
you know, go, go ahead and practice, get the horse used to knowing that when you whistle, you're, you know, asking them to go ahead and pee. Uh, you can also ask them to lower their head, which helps to get them a little bit more relaxed as well. And also sometimes, you know, you, you get stuck waiting in a line, depending on how big the ride is, and they'll have hay or food out for your horse, which is great because, you know, it's always good to, to utilize that time in an efficient way, which, you know, getting your horse to grab a few bites of food is really good. However, if you're trying to get your horse's pulse taken and get it to come down, sometimes it's best to not let your horse be trying to eat because that can keep their heart rate up. So you have to do a choice. Is it going to, is it more stressful in that? Is it more likely to raise your horse's heart rate if you're yanking on and getting to stop eating or letting him right. eat, right? Exactly. Because <laughs> some horses, when they a, see food, it's like, I'm sorry, I need to eat that. And <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> and, and yeah, and then at that point, it's you've lost control. The horse is going to do what the horse is going to do. So, you know, that's why you got to learn and practice ahead of time. And, you know, know your horse because... Yeah. Exactly. Like you said, some horses are going to do better if you do just let them grab a few bites to eat while others aren't. And it's going to keep and they're going to get so wound up over it that it's going to keep their pulse up. Right, right. So. I'm going to have I have some quiz questions for you because we have a couple minutes till we get to calling Kristen at the distance depot during when you do holds and you take your horse's tack off. Do you. Always change your saddle pad, or does that depend on the circumstances? Or do you never change your saddle pad? You I, I usually don't change the saddle pad. Um, I do, I have um, some wool pads that I really like. And the nice thing with those is that I can use both sides of them. So if one does get, you know, more dirty or, or sweaty and gringy looking, I can flip it around. But I usually don't change during, you know, during an actual ride. During the ride. Interesting. Yeah. That was something that I, I, Nigel, until he, until he stopped sweating completely, he was a huge sweater. He, the sweat would go right through the saddle pad into the saddle. It would just ah. crazy amounts of sweat. So I would always have the spare. And when I took the tack off, I could put a new one on. And so he would have a dry saddle pad on, um, and it would weigh about 50 pounds. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> oh my God. We, we need to lighten the load here, Nigel. Don't have that problem anymore, unfortunately. So is there anything else when you come to a hold that you find useful for you as the rider to make the most of the opportunity to take a physical and mental break? Are there anything that you do as a rider? Not really, you know, it's like I always try to take care of the horse first, but then on the other hand, if you don't take care of yourself, you're not taking care of your horse. So you need to keep yourself taken care of, you know, hydrated. You've got to keep yourself drinking and focused and paying attention and so if you take care of yourself, you are, in essence, also taking care of your horse because you're going to be a lot more aware and competent as far as paying attention and knowing what's going on and, and realizing what your horse needs from you. Mm -hmm. So, 
you know, it's one of those catch-22 things. You need to take care of your horse, but you also need to take care of yourself so that you can take care of your horse. So if you whistle, the horse learns to pee, do you have like a bell (laughs) that you ring to get the riders to go pee? I know. Yeah, that's that's the thing. It's like, oh, gosh, I need to go, too. (laughs) (laughs) I know. You know, I, I when I ride and I know I've got, you know, vet checks and I'm by myself most of the time. I don't have a crew. Um, I'll pack a, a like a gallon baggie with a couple cups of horse feed in it. So if I am stuck waiting in line and there's no food available, you know, a lot of rides provide it, but some don't. Um, I'll just pull out that baggie of feed and I can hand feed my horse a cup or two of food while we're waiting. And so also also the, what they provide might not be familiar to your horse. Right. Right. You know, but they always seem to like whatever (laughs) the other horse has. Well, well, they have, isn't that, oh, if he's going to eat it, I'm going to eat it. Exactly. <laughs> oh shoot. My my horses all end up eating sagebrush. They're they're not picky. <laughs> oh wow. That's great. Yeah. Oh, not one of Nigel's favorites is this time of year, as we record it, we're in January. Who every anytime we're out hacking about in the woods, he has to eat all the little tips off the oak trees. Really? Oh. Are we a deer now? <laughs> really? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. There's grass in your field. You have hay 24-7 and you want to eat the trees. Sure. Oh, I, of course. Oh yeah. Mine will eat a tumbleweed that blows in, you know, (laughs) it's never mind this $22 of bale hay. (laughs) No, why would I want to eat that? Oh my goodness. So another question this, and again, this is regarding rider self care for the shorter rides. You frequently have one short break and there's really not much time to go do anything except do your vet check and run and pee and then get back on your horse. But for longer rides where you have longer checks, uh, do most people go back to their rig and take a break or do most people mill about the vet area? How do, what's the, what's the way that most people take care of that? Right. And that's why it's important to go to the ride meeting the evening before, or at least talk to somebody that did go. So you can get the rundown on how that ride runs their vet checks or the vet checks in camp or out of camp. Uh, you know, do they want you to pull your tack? Um, are you parked close enough so you can go back to your rig? The 50 that I did in October, I was parked literally on the back 40 because it was a huge ride. And it would have taken me about probably seven or eight minutes each way to go to my rig and back. And so when you have a half hour or 45 minute hold, that's just not real practical. So that's why you need to plan ahead. And so I brought my crew bag the night before I packed with all the horse food and my, my stuff, um, and brought it up to the vet check so that I didn't have to go back and forth and back and forth and waste time because, you know, it's, you you know, you always want to be as efficient as you can. And if your horse can spend that amount of time eating rather than walking back and forth, you're better off, you know, planning ahead and bringing your crew bag up or yeah. setting up a, a crew area and spot, um, to, 
you know, just park yourself at. Um, yeah. Yeah. And for, again, another, another great nugget for everyone, it, both in and out side of the endurance discipline is if you don't, if you're not familiar with the venue you're going to, uh, and, or you're not familiar with how that particular show is going to run things, pack accordingly so that you can adapt. When you get there, normally you mm-hmm. work out of your horse trailer, but you get there and discover working out of your horse trailer is really not going to be viable at this show so that you have supplies with you that you can have basically a crew bag that you can take up to the right. arena or competition area, some snacks in it for you. Um, again, you practice at home. Your horse is familiar with the snacks that you can take along. Does your horse eat a packed lunch? Well, practice at home and make sure he can eat a packed lunch. For my horses, a packed lunch might be for big Nigel, who eats all sorts of food, being a big thoroughbred. His packed lunch might consist of fresh fruits and veggies. He'll have apples or carrots, a little bit of the grain that he would typically get in a meal, maybe some hay pellets or some chopped hay. I use chopped hay because it's really easy to trudge around with. You can put a pound of chopped hay into a Ziploc bag and zip it shut. And he can have mm-hmm. a little snack. Hay is great because it gets them to salivate. And it that which is good for everything. It's great for their tummy. It's great for the for them to try and drink more. So teach your horse to eat a packed lunch so that you can be ready when it's time for them to do that. And I think we've used up all of our time for our <laughs> tip. If you have if you have questions about these sorts of things for Karen to address, again, she can address them for endurance riders and other riders. Feel free to drop me an email, jennifer at horseradionetwork.com, and we can ask them on next month's show. Well, now, now that we're done with our tip, it's on to uh, buying tip. And every month we get a buying tip from Kristen at the Distance Depot because she's one of our longtime essential sponsors on the endurance episode. And she always tells us what's going on at the Distance Depot, what's hot, what's not, what's new. So, Karen, Introduce us to Karen and see what's going on. Kristen, thank you for joining us. Um, Today, we're going to be talking about sheepskin saddle covers and the various sheepskin accessories and stuff that the Distance Depot has. And I ride in one of their sheepskin covers that they made for me, and it is wonderful. So, (laughs) thank you, Kristen. Tell us about your sheepskins. Yes, good morning. Um, happy to tell you about this brand. It's called Sheer Comfort, and it is made out of 100% merino wool. We hand make them in our shop. In fact, I think for Karen, because you're so petite, um, we did make you a little smaller cover for your, um, is it the Pandora? The Pandora, uh-huh. Yeah, yep. So we can do things like that because we do make them here um, in store. Typically, there's not, you know, a, a big fee or a cut fee, depending upon your requirements. Um, if it gets real complicated, then then there would be a, a custom cut fee. But for the most part, um, we we try to accommodate, and of course, the ever-changing amount of saddles that are on the market. We've added new models um, of these sheepskin covers just because there are so many saddles out there. So we have, you know, a cover just for the Bob Marshall treeless. We have a full Western cover, full English covers in various styles. For example, all-purpose dressage. Um, we have a very big endurance multi, so fits a multitude, <laughs> um, if you will, of endurance covers. That, you know, all of those 
first come all the way down the saddle and cover pinchy stirrup leathers and rubbing stirrup fenders, um, et cetera. Um, all, all made, like I said, out of this merino wool. There is a soft cotton-like backing on the back of our product that covers the leather hide of the sheepskin. The sheepskin is under there. Some people panic and say, hey, this isn't real. Um, it is. It's just to provide an additional barrier between the leather hide and your tack. So mm-hmm. it's all leather underneath there and super comfy. These things are warm in the winter, cool in the summer. Um, when we first started making them, my mother is my um, tester. And she got in her saddle and she called me back after her ride. And she said, Kristen, don't ride in your saddle without one of these things. <laughs> <laughs> so, And she's right. I mean, they're fabulous. Um, and and what colors want, do you have? Oh, we have um, natural, which is a creamy tan color. Um, then we have a dark brown, black, and we also offer navy blue. Um, we try to keep up with the demand. Navy blue, we don't keep in stock as readily, but they're typically made within a day or two and can get shipped right out. So um, the black, brown, and natural are generally in stock. Um, we also offer girth covers, stirrup leather covers if you just want a seat only. Um, so if you click on the pictures, I know some people are like, "What's what cover do I get for my saddle? If you click on the cover most resembling your saddle, Inside there, we'll show you all of the information. We show you the upside down view of the cover so you can see how it's attached with strings and or neoprene or elastic. So you can see all of the views of how the cover works. And then, of course, choose your color. And then we do list all of the sizing. So, you know, seat front to back, seat width, flap to flap. So bottom of the flap over the saddle to the bottom of the flap. So we give you all of those dimensions so that you can compare it to your saddle and see what would work best. Okay, and tell us what what is your phone number and your website address? We are www.thedistancedepot.com and our phone number is toll-free 866-863-2349. Terrific. Thanks, Kristen. Thank you. Bye, Kristen. Bye, Jen. Okay, and our first guests this morning are Elena and Gunnar Frank. In 2023, they won the Bob and Julie Sir Husband and Wife Award, completing 2,170 miles. And so they rode together for quite a lot of miles. And so we're going to talk to them about that and also about their uh, popular Al Hoot rides that are in Oklahoma, which is the central region of AERC. So welcome and good morning, Elena and Gunnar. Um, Let's start with Elena. Can you just give us a little bit of a rundown of how your 2023 ride season went? Hi. Well, it went it went really well. It was we you know, we just kind of rode our rides and didn't really pay attention until towards the end and um, didn't really expect it because we were both riding a couple of different horses and, you know, we're bringing up a, a young one and um, riding a couple of older ones. And so it was a, it was, it was a nice, pleasant surprise that we were able to, to get that many miles completed this year. And Gunnar, t- tell us what is it like riding with your wife? It, it's good. 
Very good. Um, <laughs> she's a little less competitive than I am, so she often uh, fall behind, and uh, she also coming up with a new horse that she's riding slower. So we haven't ridden too much together this year. Okay, so so you're not always riding together, but you're at the same rides together. Yes. Okay. New, new horse, she often starts behind everybody. Okay, okay. So, Elena, d- tell us, do you guys have any kind of a strategy when you go to a ride together? Well, um, we each have our chores. We've been doing this uh, for a few years now, and so it's it's definitely a team effort. Um like I make him breakfast in the morning and he feeds the horses in the morning. He he brushes my horse while I'm making our electrolytes for ourselves. I make the electrolytes for the horses and he feeds and um you know we just have our each have our 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 tasks. So mm-hmm. it makes it nice that it's not just one person having to do all the work. So we're really lucky. And right. the other thing yeah. is is that we we each just we ride our ride, you know, our horses Sometimes we get to ride together, which is awesome. And then, then sometimes it's just you know his horse is doing one thing and mine's doing another. So we just we just do our own thing. So. Okay. Well, Gunner, tell us what was one of your favorite rides for the year? <clears throat> uh, Spanish Peaks uh, was really good. Uh, really well organized. Lots of different trails and a six day ride. And that one's in Colorado? Yes. Very beautiful there. Mm-hmm. And, um, most of our the rides we go to is very nice. About the Spanish people. And so how far do you two usually travel to go to rides? We've been going to a big horn in Wyoming. That's about uh, 1,200 miles, uh, one of the furthest we go to. Colorado is uh, about 600 miles. And uh, we, we normally go for most rides closely, but that's about the longest, 1,200 miles. Okay, Elena, tell us, how did you meet your husband, and um, how did you both get going in endurance? Uh, that's, uh, that's a good story. Um, <laughs> I met him, we used to live in, in uh, Texas, in Houston area, and I had a sailboat, I needed an engine put on it, and somebody said, this is the guy to do it. So... Um, they said he's the best there is. So I hired him and that's how I met him. And then a little while later, um, I asked him what his next adventure was going to be. And he said he wanted to ride across the country on horseback. And I had moved away from my horses when I was uh, in college. So I said, count me in. (laughs) And then one thing led to another. We figured we needed to learn how to ride horses long distance. So we got involved with endurance and then we got addicted 
and <laughs> we've been in endurance every since. <laughs> so uh, Gunnar is an adventurer. He has done the Northwest Passage in a canoe. He built a sailboat and sailed, you know, from um, from Sweden across the Atlantic. Um, went around Cape Horn a couple of times. So. You know, it, since he's such a big adventurer, I I figured I'd better grab a hold when I could. <laughs> Good choice. <laughs> How yeah. long ago was that? Uh oh, seven, I think. Somewhere okay. back there. Wow, yeah. wow, that's exciting. Um, yeah. So, uh, tell us about your owl hoot rides that are in Oklahoma. Okay, we have um, so. Gunner likes westerns, and so do you know what the Owl Hoot Trail is? I don't. It, it, it's an old old western slang for outlaws on the run. Okay. So, um, yeah. So when we moved to Oklahoma, I have, we have a uh, my family has a um, ranch that has been in the family for a couple of generations, and so we moved up here, and we got enough land to put trails on, so. Gunner designed some awesome trails, and he he since he likes westerns and outlaws, then we named it the Owl Hoot Trail. Okay. So we do a couple of couple of rides a year. We have in the fall. We always have our our Owl Hoot Spook, which is um, a ride around the Halloween time, and it's a two day ride. And then we'll do either something early in the winter, or um, or we have our summer ride, which is a night ride. So, oh, that's. That's neat. Yeah. People really enjoy the night ride. It's a lot of work, but people really enjoy it. So we try to, we try to make sure people are happy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what's the terrain like? It's, it's uh, northeast Oklahoma. So it's rolling hills. We call it green country here. Um, so it's just, uh, you know, ranch land, uh, open, you got some open fields and then you got some woods and some trees. Um, we aren't that rocky. If you've got a really good barefoot horse, you could do, you could do the ride barefoot. Um, so it's a, it's a, it's a fun ride and it's nothing, it's nothing that you're going to you know, be terrified on. <laughs> so okay. it's kind of fun. <laughs> no cliffs. <laughs> no, no cliffs. No cliffs. Yes, definitely not um, a bighorn <laughs> or a Spanish Peaks kind of technical. Okay. Okay. Um, Gunner, do you have any goals for the 2024 ride season? Yes. Uh, we l- would like to do the same as we did the. Uh, this past year, uh, that uh, we was very lucky with the results. Uh, we, we won the husband and wife, and we also had uh, my horse. It is ADS best condition, which is probably one of the records beaten. Uh-huh. Uh huh. <clears throat> Total, uh, I have a uh, hundred twenty best condition. Oh, good job! Congratulations. Thank you. And uh, also, it was really rewarding to save a little kid that fell in the river during a ride. <clears throat> I was able to save, and uh, I felt that was a big 
big thing. It was a little kid, a two-year-old girl that was washing down the road. Oh, wow. And I was able to jump 150 feet down in the river and save that kid. Oh, gosh. That that was rewarding for me as well for the kid. Uh, Yeah, I bet. (laughs) And the kid's parents, too, I'm sure. Yes, yes. They were probably really grateful that you came along when you did. That was during a race or just after I finished the race, yes. Okay. Elena, what about you? What are your goals for the new season? Um, just to, to, to get this new horse moved up a little bit and um, keep my old horse going. He's 20 this year or 20 yeah he's 20 so um and he's he's great but he he's uh he's got cushings and so we'll see how this year goes uh-huh. and then the new guy getting him more settled and um he's awesome he's absolutely going to be wonderful but just you know take it slow and uh-huh. keep myself taking it slow not get overly um excited or don't let myself get too carried away <laughs> uh-huh. so, yeah um, it's 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 a lot starting a new one isn't it <laughs> yeah yeah you know when they start doing well you just you you, you can't let you you just i don't want to go too fast too soon you know so that's uh, that's part of keeping myself under control. <laughs> right, right. Now, do you can you give us some advice on what you would recommend for getting a new horse started in the sport? Slow and easy is what my my I recommend. Um, my my older horse has got. I started him in. Um, gosh, I don't know even what year it was, but he's got he's got. Oh, I think we're coming up on seven thousand, or we're over seven thousand miles, and he's been awesome and I I started him slow and we've done well I've done that a couple of times and it does that's the best thing especially these uh the young guys that have got that race brain or want to have the race brain just I just don't even look at the start we just hang out at the trailer until the starts happened and all of the horses are gone and then we just go out and ride our ride and and have a good time Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah. I look forward to getting to start the ride with people, though. That will be nice. (laughs) Uh huh. So, if somebody's interested in one of your Owl Hoot rides, um, what's the best way to get more information? Do you have a website or a Facebook page? Yeah, we have a website, um, ironvikings.com. And, um, and then also we have the the ride flyer we put up on ARC also. So um, that's pretty much all the info we try to put in the flyer. And at any time, anybody can just email us or give us a call and we'd be happy to talk to them about the ride. Okay. Okay. Well, I just want to say congratulations to both of you for winning the Husband and Wife Award. Thank you. And thanks for joining us this morning. Some people don't think horses and people communicate. We call those people not horse people. Not horse people don't know you and your horse share a unique bond. Or that your horse knows you know they like your dogs. But not so much the barking. At Sentinel Horse Nutrition, we don't knock not horse people. We're too busy focusing on horse people's horses. 
With extruded nugget feeds for exceptional nutrition and formulas for every need, our wide choice of feeds makes it easy to find the fit for your horse's health. Find theirs at FeedSentinel.com. Our next guest this morning is Sudi Lynn Hart. She is a Southeast region rider. She's got over 10,000 miles, including 21-day hundreds. She's also currently the vice president of the Southeast Endurance Ride Association. So thank you for joining us this morning, Sudi. How are you? I'm wonderful. Glad to be here. Well, so let's talk a little bit about the Southeast. And um, so tell us a little bit about your region. And I'm sure you know um, all of the goings on with the rides and the new ride season. And so what's going on in the Southeast? Well, I think the best thing to say about the Southeast is that stereotype about Southerners being friendly is absolutely true. So um, if a new rider shows up at a ride, it's very likely that word will get around ride camp and people will try to make the person feel welcome, especially if it's a junior or a family with a junior where the parents don't ride. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I think friendly is certainly there. I think the the South has every kind of ride available. If you like mountain rides, we have mountain rides. If you like technical rides, we have that. If you like flat rides, we have that, especially in Florida and on the on the um, the low country rides over in South Carolina. So. I think there's a lot of variety. Um, It's a strong contingency of riders, and there is every kind of rider. Um, If you like limited distance, there are lots of people that ride that distance. If you like longer distance, there's those folks. So I think it's just a very welcoming region with lots of variety. Mm -hmm. And are you currently the largest region in the AERC right now? Well, I think we duke it out. <laughs> uh-huh, with the West. We, yeah, we duke it out. Sometimes we're ahead and sometimes they're ahead, but we're we're glad to be in that, that contract Right, sure. <laughs> right. Yeah, you've grown quite a bit. I know in the West, we've suffered the loss of a lot of rides, unfortunately. You know, last ride season was brutal. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh, right. And, and I think, you know, those ebbs and flows happen. Certainly, we've had rides come and go, but, you know, we do have the benefit of um, being more temperate climate-wise. I mean, we can't ride in the summer. We we don't tend to have rides in the summer because it's brutally hot and humid. But, mm-hmm. you know, the rest of the year, the other nine months, you can ride if you're willing to travel a bit. Uh-huh. So, and especially if you're willing to come to Florida. Florida almost has its own season. From January this year, from January to mid March, we have a ride every two weeks. Actually, December, middle of December to mid March, we have a every, ride two, every weeks. two weeks. Wow, how lucky weeks. is that? That's awesome. It's, it's pretty lovely. Makes you Jennifer. want to buy another horse. <laughs> exactly. You got you, look at Jennifer's in Florida. She she needs to get signed up for some of those rides. There we go. <laughs> Got to get my act together, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So, Sudi, how did you get started in the sport? Well, I came at it kind of in an odd way. Years ago, I used to be a triathlete, so I was 
I was familiar with training for long distance and endurance. And I got back into horses um, in my 50s and I was boarding at a barn and somebody mentioned endurance. And I said, what's that? And they told me and I was like, yep, that's it. I want to do that. So (laughs) I looked it up and and went to a ride knowing absolutely nothing and was hooked from the get go. (laughs) And now you've got over 10,000 miles and 21 day hundreds. What what inspires you to go do the hundreds? Um, Well, you know. I was a new rider. I'd been riding just a couple of years and I was at a ride and Stag and Cheryl Newman were there who are just, you know, icons of the sport. And he took me aside. I didn't even know he knew who I was. And he said, if you think you might want to do a hundred, you need to go ahead and do it. So your horse learns everything is not a 50 and Uh you learn how to pace. And so I was like, oh my gosh, he thinks I can do that. I should do that. <laughs> so, so I have Stag and Cheryl to thank and lots of mentors. I mean, one of the wonderful things about hundreds is it's it's a very, very supportive group. Everyone wants everyone to succeed. So lots of good people out there to learn from. And what is your favorite hundred? Wow. <laughs> you know, I think you I think you can't be the Biltmore because where else in our country can you ride a hundred miles in the middle of a city and the only reason you see the same trail twice is because you're in the dark. I mean it's magical. It's magical. Uh-huh. So definitely the Biltmore is is right up there. Okay. Okay. And how long did it take you to, to do all of those twenty one day hundreds? Well, let's see. I started my first 100 in 2012, and I just got number 20, which was a tricky one to get. It took me three tries to get number 20. I just got it last August. So I okay. took 12 years. So most years, I would do one or two hundreds. Um, and I've been lucky that I've had three horses that were good 100 milers. So all the all the responsibility didn't end up on one horse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, do you have any advice for an uh, up and coming new rider that wants to do a hundred? I think just to find some people that you feel like would be good mentors and 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 learn. You know, ask questions. Don't be shy. Ask questions. Get lots of information from different riders because. Different people approach it differently, and and there's lots of different ways for it to work. So I mm-hmm. think it's finding it's finding somebody that you click with that you feel like I want to ride like that person, uh-huh. and, and and just believe believe in trying whether you succeed the first time or not. You know, it, it just give it a try. Okay, that's yeah, that's good advice. And uh, so, do you have any goals for 2024? Well, my goals for 2024 are to enjoy, I have three horses that are still competing and they're all decade horses and they're all getting older. So they're 18 and 20. And so every time I put a leg over, I'm so grateful. So Mm -hmm. I'm just enjoying every ride. And while I quietly and don't tell my husband yet that I'm looking for a young horse. (laughs) 
<laughs> Good for you. <laughs> right, right. And, and since you are in the Southeast, one question I need to ask is mm-hmm. you have some unique challenges that some of the rest of the country may not have because you do have, as you mentioned, the heat and the humidity and the bugs. Yes. Are there any tips or tricks that you have for um, handling those kinds of conditions? Um, I think the, you know, if you're able to spend some time in the South and train, I think that's wonderful. Your horse will adjust. Um, but if if you are not from the South and you're coming to a ride and it's hot and humid, I think it's just adjust your ride plan. You know, they horses that aren't used to humidity can deal with it, but they need to drop back a bit on their pace. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, the the 10 mile an hour trot that maybe you could do in dry conditions is probably not going to work out in your favor if you try that when it's real humid. So I think just to respect it, it, you know, horses are amazing in what they can deal with, but I think we have to let them know that, you know, we, we have some beta here about what the day is going to be like (laughs) and and help uh them, help them deal with it. Right. Right. So what's some of the craziest conditions that you've, done a ride in uh well let's see i would say the one that stands out the most in my mind one year i was at the leatherwood ride which is in the mountains of north carolina it's absolutely gorgeous and we had a freak it was in march which can be cool but normally not snowing but we had a very freak snow event and I was in the 50 and I had a friend riding with me and I was sponsoring a junior and it snowed and sleeted and just rained it was never dry the whole time and I would have quit except the junior was like we're not quitting we're not quitting (laughs) (laughs) I just love juniors that's great (laughs) (laughs) right right yeah, that that was that one stands out. I I, I hope that one's the pinnacle of that event. <laughs> <laughs> so, does the Southeast Endurance Ride Association have a website or a Facebook page? It has both. Um, the web um, the website is seraonline dot org, and um, there is a Facebook page, and there's lots of ways to chat with people, and there's. Actually, this coming weekend is the annual convention, which is a great party and a chance to see all your friends when they're cleaned up and not filthy dirty and they actually look kind of normal. And you um, won't recognize have, them without their horses. <laughs> you won't, no, won't recognize them. And there's wonderful educational seminars and it's just a fun time in a gorgeous place. So and, it's a very where, active. That's where in, is um, that? That is at Amicalola Springs State Park in Dawsonville, Georgia. It's a okay. gorgeous lodge on the side of a mountain. So that's a very fun event. Um, and it's a strong, that is a, it, the SERA club is a very strong group of talented, talented riders. Good. Well, thank you for joining us. Congratulations on your success and all of your miles and your hundreds and best wishes for your new ride season. Thank you, Karen. All right. <laughs> Bye. Bye-bye. 
Words and Writer On Demand allows you to train smarter, not harder. Our training video collection featuring some of the industry's top Western professionals like Bud Lyon, Cody Crow, Ryan Rushing, and more can help you perfect your horsemanship and improve your performance in the arena. Get access to hundreds of videos and learn more about events like ranch horse versatility, reining, working cow horse, ranch riding, and more for just $14.99 a month. Watch anywhere, anytime. Horse and Rider On Demand can be streamed from any smart device. Visit ondemand.horseandrider.com to start your seven-day free trial. That's ondemand.horseandrider.com. And if you want to check into what's going on in Endurance Rides, you can go where? Go to aerc.org and you can look up the ride calendar. A lot of rides also need volunteers. So if you're new and you want to learn more about it, you know, contact your local ride managers and offer to volunteer. Um, even if you just go and, and help the riders, you know, hold their horses for them. There's always um, a desperate need for someone to hold a horse while somebody goes to the potty. There's always that. That's and the, that's the least. That's the that's the one volunteer position that is always available. It, exactly, and you know, and being a vet scribe is also, you know, it's just you're going to learn so much. <laughs> there you go. Just just by watching and listening and um, looking at all the horses and watching them trot and listening to the vets talk, it's. Uh, really educational for a- anybody, whether you're an endurance rider or a trail rider or just, you know, you have your horses, um, you know, for whatever you do with them. Um, not necessarily riding endurance, but you can learn an awful lot about um, the important stuff like taking right. vitals and stuff like that. And if if you're an avid non-competitive trail rider, doing the LDs can be a real hoot. Right. Or the intro rides. Are the intros rides because they're short enough that a horse and human who are sound physically mm-hmm. and ride regularly on weekends can be sufficiently fit to do what is referred to in this discipline as a snail ride. Just cruise along at a leisurely pace and not exactly. worry about winning. And it, it's, it, it's great fun. Yes. And the intro rides don't usually have any kind of time limit. So you can be out there as long as you want to be out there and uh, look up your local groups and regional organizations. Like, um, like we mentioned the Sarah group for the Southeast region in Nevada, we have the NASTAR group, Nevada, all state trail riders, you know, different regions have different groups, you know, mountain region. Um, Most of the different regions have, um, groups within themselves and like with the local Nevada group I for example I did three of their limited distance rides last year and I earned a vest with my horse's names on it which is really kind of cool I know I got an award look at you and I (laughs) yeah for three LD rides it was great so you know you joined these local groups and organizations and you get involved and um they do often their own year-end awards and recognition and stuff like that and they they do like the intro rides even locally they have a series where if you do them all you get an extra special award and um it's a great way to just go and learn and get your horse exposed to being you know just at the events and and the more the horse gets to go and see and camp and 
be involved, the better they're going to be when you do actually get going and, um, and like Jennifer, start with the group. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. My goal is to start with the group. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there we go. We'll see you back again here next month. And for now, we're going to sign off. And the Horses in the Morning crew will be back again tomorrow with more horsey fun and hijinks.